You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Welcome in. Good morning. This is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. Lots to do on this Monday edition. What do you think we're going to talk about? We'll roll through the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. Four games to break down. Giants have a defensive coordinator. The Knicks actually won a game. We got the national championship game finally in college football tonight. Lots to do. The number you know, 1-800-919-ESPN. I am on Twitter, on Instagram, at Gordon Damer. The daily poll question is up for today. And where we begin is with a busy weekend of football. Four games. Last weekend that we get four games. It's already dwindling down. Just three games to go. And no, I'm not counting the Pro Bowl. We're down to the final four. Chiefs and Titans in the AFC. 49ers and Packers in the NFC, so one verse six, one verse two. But a fun weekend of football, maybe not for the Texans. Don't think that they enjoyed the weekend that much. Certainly not for the Baltimore Ravens, but we will get to that. Let's start with yesterday. We'll start with the first game yesterday, Chiefs and Texans from Kansas City, from Arrowhead. And I have to say, really felt like a game, maybe I just can't think of it, Felt like a game I have never seen before. People will bring up the Bills' big comeback against the Houston Oilers back in the day. It didn't feel like that. That felt like a much more traditional comeback than what you got yesterday. But coming off the win they got a week ago, maybe a little fortunate to get that win. The Texans, Deshaun Watson, get off to that awesome start yesterday. Touchdown on the opening drive, blocked punt. And before really you've even sat down and catched your breath or caught your breath, it's 14-0. And we watched plenty of Chiefs teams melt down at Arrowhead. They've had plenty of bad playoff losses there. Andy Reid's coaching resume is filled with games. He should have won, and he didn't. But at 14-0, I thought, because I was on the Chiefs yesterday, I thought, all right, it's, it's a bad start, but I don't feel like it's insurmountable. But then Kansas City muffs the punt. And two plays later, it's 21 nothing. So Kansas City can't get anything going. The Texans at that point can't be stopped. It felt like every single play, Watson was doing either something with his legs or, or, or hitting a pass. Every Guys were running wide open. And the Chiefs' defensive players seemed like they were getting a little frustrated as well. You see guys like hitting the ground after a reception. There definitely seemed to be some frustration there. So then... The Texans get the ball again. They drive the field. They get down to the Kansas City 13, fourth and one, and they decide to kick the field goal. Now, maybe you were like me at the time. You're thinking to yourself, look, you've dominated this game. Put your foot on the gas, especially for Bill O'Brien, who has a tendency to be a little too conservative. I didn't like the, 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 the going for the field goal at the time, but I have to be honest. I didn't really, at that point, did not think that it would really matter. It's 24 nothing. I would prefer it be 28 nothing because I know how explosive the Kansas City offense have, can be. But at 24 nothing, Kansas City's been terrible. I mean, they have not gotten anything going at all. Felt like they, even though it was a 3 o'clock start yesterday as opposed to the 1 o'clock, it felt like they didn't even think it, the game started until 8 o'clock. They had been terrible. Drop passes all over the place. They had the punt block. They had a muff punt. The defense has been miserable. But then Kansas City gets a little spark, right? They get the big kickoff return. Two plays later, touchdown. You think to yourself, all right, 
That's something. Maybe, maybe they can make this a game as we get into the second half. Texans get the ball back. They don't really do anything to decide to punt. Fourth and two from their 31, except it's a fake. And except it didn't work. And then the Chiefs are off to the races. They score the touchdown there. They kick off. And even when they got the second touchdown, I didn't think, all right, here goes the Kansas City Chiefs and they're going to be what we kind of thought coming in. It wasn't until they kicked off and the guy fumbles the kickoff and the ball pops up straight, I mean, perfectly, right up in the air. Kansas City player catches it and almost thought it was like a muffed punt because it looked like he thought he couldn't advance it. And then he's like, oh, no, this is a kickoff. I can advance it. And then the Chiefs are off to the races. They score touchdowns on seven straight possessions. They score points on eight possessions in a row. And usually when you describe a game, a football game, while this was a shootout, usually a shootout means I shoot you, you shoot me. Back and forth. Bing, bing, bing. Bang, bang, bang. This was, I empty my gun completely just about, and then you bring out a howitzer and just blah, 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 blah. Just go to town. And you have way more bullets than I do. And I said on Saturday, I thought coming into this game, this was a game Andy Reid had to win. This was a game the Chiefs had to win. Almost like the Texans a week ago. You're at home. You're the better team. The Patriots are out. You've never had as clear a path, really, to getting back to the Super Bowl for Andy Reid as you will have this year. After all the bad playoff losses, all the bad home playoff losses for the Chiefs, even without Andy Reid. And let's all, among the analysis, should be, thank God the Chiefs woke up. Thank God the Chiefs played like they did. Because did anybody want to watch the Texans and Titans play in the AFC title game? I don't think so. I know I didn't. And really, I think where you have to start with this game is obviously Patrick Mahomes. We spend so much time talking about quarterbacks. Brady when he was in it, or Rodgers, or Russell Wilson, or Deshaun Watson yesterday, or Lamar Jackson on Saturday. And you think about all the great quarterbacks who played this weekend in these playoffs who know it, it's kind of hard to envision a scenario where Patrick Mahomes will end up with a better resume when his career is over than Tom Brady, right? Going to nine Super Bowls, winning six of them. But it really does feel like just based on the skills that he has and the situation that he is in, who knows how long Andy Reid will coach or all these different things. There's so many variables. But it really does feel like Patrick Mahomes is the perfect blend of talent to win in the modern football age. And who knows if he'll win, How mu- who knows how much he'll win. But that guy, when you talk about the total package, throwing it, running it, we spend so much ta- time talking about the importance of the elite quarterback. Think about all the guys who just played this weekend. He was by far the most impressive. So I guess one of my takeaways from this game, because I don't know what it is in the day and age that we live in. I think it might be Twitter, but who knows? My takeaway is is really simple. Sometimes the lesson of the game 
is staring you right in the face. And the lesson of the Chiefs and Texans was that the Chiefs are so much more explosive. They are so much better than the Texans, despite the fact that Houston got off to the start that they did, and despite the fact that Deshaun Watson is a great quarterback himself. If your takeaway from that game is that Bill O'Brien screwed up by going for the field goal or going for the fake punt, you're lost. The Chiefs scored 41 straight points. At some point, they were going to get rolling. Now, I don't think any of us expected us to get them rolling like that. But they never came close to stopping them. And even when they did have the big lead, they stopped them by A, a muff punt, and B, a block punt. It wasn't like they were shutting down the offense time and time and time again. You couldn't cover Kelsey. You couldn't contain Mahomes. They put up 51 points on 57 plays. This is not a game that swung based on a bad decision by Bill O'Brien. I saw a headline, Bill O'Brien ruined the Texans with one boneheaded play. What are you talking about? The Chiefs are way better. They put up 51 points and didn't do anything for a quarter and a half. They're better. Bill O'Brien is not a coach that I would have a whole lot of faith in. That loss yesterday is not primarily on Bill O'Brien. Did I like the fake punt? No. Did I like the fake field goal? No. But at least in terms of the the overall game, those were footnotes. This idea that, well, you know what, he got their momentum going by doing that. Well, then how? They had the momentum, all the momentum. So you're telling me they had the momentum when they had the 24 points, but the but going for the field goal, that's what, what killed the momentum. Or the, 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 the fake punt that didn't work, which also you'd have to say, yes, it did not work. The defender on that play, there was one defender to make the tackle, and he made the tackle. Sometimes it just comes down to the players. And you know what? Kansas City has way better players. Second game yesterday, Packers beat the Seahawks 28-23. Thank God Seattle did not get that two-point conversion, if you know what I mean. That four and a half was just hanging out there like a big like a big matzo ball. We needed that one. Thank God for that. So Green Bay controls this game early, right? They're up 21-3 at one point. Uh, second half, they go up 28-10. to And you think, okay, maybe not, not that it's over. But clearly the Packers are going to win this game going away. And if you had the Packers minus the four and a half, you feel like you're in great shape. But Russell Wilson is that monster from the monster movie. He just doesn't die. Freddie, Jason, whoever you want to go with. Let's not go down that road again. And I don't think either of those teams yesterday are great. But the Packers clearly, as evidenced by the game, they were better yesterday. With all the injuries that Seattle has right now, the one thing that they have going for them is Russell Wilson. And while it took them a while to really turn the game over to Russell Wilson, maybe if they had turned it over to Russell Wilson to just kind of go out there and make plays, maybe it would have ended differently. 
But much like the monster coming back from the dead, sure enough, Russell Wilson gets the Seahawks back in the game. At 28-10, 12 plays, 84 yards, touchdown, 28-17. Three and out for the Packers. I think it was three and out. Seattle gets the ball back, nine plays, 78 yards, 28-23. And then they force a Packers punt. You think to yourself, all right, here we go. Except fourth and 11, 241 to go, Seattle decides to punt. And to me, that was a baffling decision as well. I know you had the two timeouts. Yes, you had the two-minute warning. But there were not that many drives in that game. It was not like you knew for sure that you would even get the ball back. And in that game, I think I'm betting more on Russell Wilson than I am on my defense stopping Aaron Rodgers again, even though the defense did a fairly decent job of stopping Aaron Rodgers in the uh, second half. But Seattle had their chances to stop them. Third and eight from the Packers at the 22-yard line. Rodgers, gorgeous pass. Maybe the pass of the day to Devontae Adams for 32 yards. That gets them to midfield, fresh set of downs. And then on third and nine, he hits Jimmy Graham for another first down. And yet people will, I think it's because of Twitter more, mostly than anything else. People will say, ah, he was short, Gordon. He was short on that play. Ah, the official screwing it up again. Look at the video. He was short. Look, I have a picture I tweeted out. He was short. Well, I would agree with you. It does look like he's short. He's short. Although I will say I've seen shots where the yellow line is not correct. That the yellow line is actually in the wrong spot. The point is, the Packers won. Even if he was short. Let's go with the thought that, yes, he was short. It would have been a matter of inches. It's fourth down at the Seattle 36. There's a minute and 45 seconds to go. What do you think? The Packers are going to punt? No, they're going to go for it. So stop it, Twitter police. Sometimes it just is what it is. The Packers won. Seahawks had their chances. And they didn't convert. Sometimes it comes down to the players. It's not about the coaches. It's not about the officials. And on the officials, trust me, the refs screw up plenty of easy ones. That was not one of them. And here's another thing. Much like a week ago in the uh, wild card weekend, if you need perfectly officiated games where every call is poured over for countless times, over and over and over again, and that every call is 100% right, to be able to enjoy it, and and otherwise that's going to be your your takeaway, stop watching. Because you can't have it both ways. You don't get to complain when the officials go over every single thing and, and just ruin the game, watching things time and time again when it doesn't actually really matter. Over-officiating games, let the players play, let the coaches coach, you fix the obvious blown call, and then otherwise, get out of the way. It was a great weekend of football. Maybe not as good as a week ago, but now with only three games to go, we are set for conference championship weekend. Now back to the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. All right, so our poll question, which is up for today, it's on Twitter, at Gordon Damer. It's all about uh, conference championship weekend and which underdog you would uh, be on. And I'm sure, I, I'm guessing that the answer will be that most people will say the Titans. Because we've watched the Titans now 
take care of the Patriots two weeks ago and then or a week ago and then go into Baltimore and put up the performance they did, beating the Ravens 28 to 12 in a game. I have to be honest, didn't really even feel all that close. Now, at least it was a game in the second half. But the Titans come out, they get the big third quarter, and away you go. And you, you could sense, I said the Chiefs players early on were, were definitely feeling the frustration. You could see that with the Ravens players as well, because it just never really felt like they really ever got on track for what they do. But... I'm not going to go through that game with a fine-tooth comb like the other two because those just happened, but a couple of points. A, it feels like that game somehow became a referendum on Lamar Jackson. The fact that Lamar Jackson last year in the playoffs was so bad, and then uh, on Saturday night, he he was bad. And let's let's put it out there. Let's be fair. Let's be fair to both sides here. He was bad. He turns the ball over. Sloppy. He did not play well. But if your takeaway from that game is somehow, see, I told you about this Lamar Jackson guy. See, last year he was ter- terrible in the playoffs. He was terrible again on Saturday. Almost like, and I don't know that necessarily the people have said this, but the feeling is almost like, well, see, you can't win with that guy. Those running quarterbacks, you can't win with them. Now, people, I don't know if they've verbalized it to that extent. But that is the general takeaway for a lot of people. That Ah, see, that Lamar Jackson, not going to be able to win with that guy. What the hell are you talking about? Now, again, he was bad on Saturday. Newsflash, the Ravens were bad on Saturday. Their defense was bad on Saturday. Their receivers were bad on Saturday. And Lamar Jackson was bad on Saturday. And maybe it's because I root for a bad team that will never be as good as or have a quarterback as good as Lamar Jackson. He is 23 years old. He just put up a season for the ages. Plenty of great quarterbacks who we now know are great quarterbacks because their careers are over. Didn't win early in their career in the playoffs. It took him a while. And a lot of the thing, same things that are being said about Lamar Jackson and his, I mean, brief playoff history at this point. I heard the same things about Peyton Manning back in the day. Spoiler alert. It turned out okay for that guy. Now that's not to excuse Lamar Jackson. He has to be a little bit more careful with the football and it was a bad performance all the way around for Baltimore. It was a bad, it was a bad night. John Harbaugh, the defense, everything. But to all of a sudden think that that means somehow, well, he didn't win that game, so Lamar Jackson, I told you, it was never going to work for that guy. I don't know. I still feel like I, I would feel pretty good if Lamar Jackson were my quarterback, considering he will be the MVP this season. The other big takeaway that ties into the poll question is I'm sure now people are going to say, ah, see those Titans, Gordon. I told you about those Titans. That's how you build a team. That's the way. I saw a lot of this. See, this is the way Dave Gettleman's trying to build the Giants. Power running. Getting back to the roots of football. Well, look, what Tennessee has done is amazing. And I guess if I had to pick one, if I'm I'm not going to go with the cop-out answer of I wouldn't pick either, I would probably say the Titans 
But I think that that is not just on the Titans as much as I don't have any faith in Andy Reid. I like Andy Reid. I root for Andy Reid. I don't bet money on Andy Reid. It's almost like Hyman Roth. Your father respected Hyman Roth. Your father worked with Hyman Roth. Your father didn't trust Hyman Roth. But the bigger point is that somehow people think that that offense, what the Titans are doing right now, is somehow repeatable. Well, if you can figure out a way to repeat it, where you have an offense that basically just hands the ball off and you get five yards, six yards, seven yards, ten yards, a carry, where you have an offense where your quarterback basically has to do nothing. Ryan Tannehill has now won, has been the quarterback of a winning team in the playoffs back to back weeks where he did not throw for a hundred yards. So if you can come up with an offense where the quarterback does basically nothing, you run the ball for six yards a clip on average, and an offense that every time it gets into the red zone, it scores a touchdown. They have not kicked a field goal, I think it's since October. A month ago, they weren't even a playoff team. But if you, if that's the model you want to go with, cool, dude. I just don't think it's as repeatable, as repeatable as you think. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. And then, of course, the first game of the weekend, the Vikings and the Niners. I'm not going to spend that much time on it. Going into that game, the question was, could the Vikings be out physical, the, the 49ers, like they did with the Saints a week ago. Could they at least, maybe not out-physical them, but at least match the intensity along the lines? And the answer was no. Sometimes you get into a game within five, like you you, you think about it all week, and you go back and forth, oh, maybe this, maybe that, seven points, that's a lot of points. Garoppolo, first playoff game. But I got done with the Saturday show, I was driving home, and I just thought about it. The Vikings putting up the performance they did, could they repeat that a week later? And I just didn't think so. And I was actually texting uh, Ty Butler, my Saturday producer. I think it was like 10 seconds after the game started. I said, mm, yeah, the 49ers are going <laughs> to roll in this game. And sure enough, they did. The problem is, is that I usually I, I bet my money before the game starts. Sometimes it's just once the game starts. Oh, God. Why did I do this? All right, let's get some phone calls in. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Let's go out to uh, Lewis and Whippany. He's first up on uh, 98.7 The Fan, ESPN New York. Hey. Lewis, what's going on? Hey, how you doing, Gordon? I'm good, man. What's up? Hey, listen, <clears throat> you're, you're probably one of the um, – you're actually one of the hosts that actually needs like an extra hour or two, man. You should be the one, you know, leading the 7 o'clock hour into the I night. I appreciate that, possible. Lewis. Thank you, my friend. So, but you're also a fraud. All right. How's that? Listen, you can't you can't say that Texas didn't lose the game based on their head coach. You don't go out and, and get twenty. They did. Gordon, they, did. they got they got a twenty four point lead on the Chiefs. They gave up fifty one points. Yeah, but that's why. Why are you coming out and, they and, and stop passing them. the ball? You you slow the game down. You know they're going to score. That's on you. not what no they do. Game. I mean, they they they're not that good a team. They can't. They don't, they're not the, the Texans that have this running attack that's going to get five, six yards every clip. But Gordon, that's that's what a good head coach does. No. Even if your team, yeah, no, Gordon, no. a head coach comes up with a game plan that's the best game. There's no game plan that Bill Bill O'Brien going for it on that fourth down 
or, or no, kicking no. a field goal. That's not why they lost the game. They're not as no, good no, no. as the Chiefs. I'm not, saying, I'm not saying they lost the game because of those plays. Sure, go for it. I was actually for it. I was like, man, if that would have worked, that would have been great. But listen, be, me being from Houston, I've seen this year after year. Listen, you have a 24-point a lead. You have a 21-point lead. Why are you coming out and passing twice? Run the ball. You know, bleed out we, the clock. Lewis, then we would have been killing him for being too conservative. You have to do what you do. And putting the ball into Sean Watson's hand is what they do. So I get it. Having a 24-point lead and letting that get away as fast as it – I mean, you didn't even get to halftime. And they had mistakes with the, the I mean, the fumble uh, on the uh, the kickoff after you've after the Chiefs have already scored a couple of touchdowns and then the ball pops out like that. That's when you knew, all right, it's off to the races. I am not going to hammer Bill O'Brien and, and think that one single call is the reason why that they lost that game. Yeah, it would be great if he could have slowed the game down and prevent the Chiefs from ever getting the ball. They don't have that kind of offense where that's going to work. Maybe it would have worked better than what they did, but I don't think that you can get into these games, be successful running your team one way, and then all of a sudden, after you've had a 24 nothing lead and it starts to get away, say, all right, guys, remember all that stuff that we've done this entire time? Scratch that. We're going to go the exact opposite direction. I don't think that that's a good approach. Now back to the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. Thank you for the history that you've made and the lives that you've impacted. Thank you. It's my great honor to tell you that you're going to be the 328th Hall of Famer into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And your legacy is going to be in Canton, Ohio forever. Congratulations, Coach. Congratulations. Congratulations. Oh, Congratulations. Oh, hey, bud. <laughs> oh, my God. Congrats, that is awesome. I mean, oh, Congratulations. The only thing I can think of is all the assistant coaches that have worked for me, all the great players that played for me, they're the reason I'm here. All right, so there you go. You probably saw it yesterday in the uh, Fox post-game show. Or was that that was the pre-game show? I can't remember now. There was so much football, I don't remember. Was that halftime? Might have been halftime. Where they uh, inv- unveiled that uh, Jimmy Johnson is uh, going into the Hall of Fame. And i, I got to be honest with you. I would have thought he was already in. I, I have to be honest. I, don't, I didn't really remember that uh, he was not already in. And the fact that he's not in the Cowboys' ring of honor still. That has to be the biggest joke going. And boy, does does Jerry Jones get what he deserves. They had a great thing going. Jimmy Johnson came in there. It was ugly early. Gets things turned around. Wins two Super Bowls. And I know that they won one with Barry Switzer, but nobody gives Barry Switzer credit for that. So that was Jimmy Johnson's team. It would have been Jimmy Johnson's third Super Bowl right there. And of course, he absolutely belongs in the Hall of Fame. And what a great a great scene. The guy, all the guys from the, uh, the the Fox crew. You heard Terry Bradshaw there, Hooper and Holler. All the guys were very excited for him, and you get to see Aikman in the booth while the the thing's going on. He was getting all kind of choked up as well, or certainly seemed like it. So great stuff for Jimmy Johnson. And you really think about it, and maybe it's the age that I am, but it feels like Jimmy Johnson has really impacted. Like when you're a fan of a bad team. 
You look back to the way that Jimmy Johnson turned around the, that Cowboys organization, and that's what provides you hope. And hope in a short period of time, because he went in there, and within three years, he had turned that thing around. Trading for picks, stockpiling talent, and things were ugly early. But he gets he had uh, he had Emmett Smith there already. He drafts Emmett Smith. He had uh, Aikman already. Gets Michael Irvin. The, obviously, the Herschel Walker deal for all those picks builds up the defense. And uh, before long, it's how about them Cowboys? And uh, it has not been about them Cowboys really since Jimmy Johnson left. So great for him. Great news for uh, Jimmy Johnson. He absolutely belongs in the uh, Football Hall of Fame. A couple other things. A doesn't Kevin Stefanski just sound like a Browns head coach that gets fired? Like that name. Can't you just hear former Browns head coach Kevin Stefanski? And the Browns, I mean, they just never learn. Never learn. You had an opportunity last offseason to go out, get somebody who knows what, who knows what they're doing. When they walk in the door. They know what the job is, and they know how to do the job. But yet they go out and hire Kevin Stefanski, who might be fine, did a great job with Minnesota, good for him. But you don't know what he's going to be as a head coach. And the fact that the Browns like him is probably his biggest indictment. Because if you're looking at past history, nothing tells you more that that's not going to be a good move then the Browns made it. They are a disaster of an organization. And maybe Kevin Stefanski could be a good head coach. Problem is, the Browns don't know what they're doing. So it probably is not going to turn out that way. As for the Giants, they have hired uh, Patrick Graham as their defensive coordinator. Graham had worked with uh, Joe Judge with uh, the Patriots. He had served as the defensive coordinator for the Dolphins this year. First year he had uh, served as a coordinator but had actually been with the Giants under Ben McAdoo for a year. But has basically, you know, went through the, climbed the ladder in New England, started as an assistant, uh, a coaching assistant, then became a defensive assistant, linebackers coach, defensive line coach, linebackers coach. Well, look, I would have thought, I would have liked, if I were a Giant fan, maybe somebody with a little bit more experience in that role. I, it's good that he has a relationship with Joe Judge and they know each other. They're going to be on the same page. That's all well and good. I don't really give him any knocks for the fact that the Dolphins were the 32nd ranked defense this year. Now, i got to be honest, I never looked at anything that was going on with their defense and thought to myself, wow, the coaches are really doing a fantastic job, mainly because they didn't have any talent. They stripped down all the talent of the team, so it's really kind of hard to get a good judge in one season. Just how good of a defensive coordinator Patrick Graham can be, will be. It's a little strange to me that they just allowed him to walk. He was under contract. They could have kept him. It's not like he went for a job that was a a promotion. He went from being defensive coordinator to being a defensive coordinator. So that's a little bit strange. But here's the thing. Much like the Cleveland Browns, they don't know what they're doing. Sometimes the answer when it involves the Dolphins is they're idiots. That's that's all you have to know. They're idiots. Oh, why did they make that move? Because they're idiots. That probably has something to do with it. And that probably will impact it. Now we'll see whether or not Patrick Graham – can be a good defensive coordinator for the Giants. I'd have to be honest with you, after watching him for one season as the defensive coordinator of my team, I don't really get a read on whether or not he's good or not. 
And that has a lot to do with the situation he was in. Didn't have a whole lot of talent. Didn't really do much with that talent. But didn't really have any to work with. So we'll see. 1-800-919-ESPN is the phone number. 1-800-919-3776. Also, why is the guy who runs the Hall of Fame bigger than all the people that are in the Hall of Fame? How big is that guy? He stood next to Michael Strahan. He made Michael Strahan look like he was just a regular size. Michael Strahan is a, is a giant. Is his name David Baker? Oh, my God. He's, he's ginormous. He's huge. He's like a modern-day giant. Not a New York giant. An actual giant with like a beanstalk. He's huge. It was very, very odd. Tony Gonzalez is a huge guy. He looked like a regular human. Nobody else know, thinks that's weird. All right, let's go back to the phones. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Let's go to uh, Scott is in Wontaw. Scott, what's going on, man? Hey, good morning, Gordon. How you guys doing? I'm good, man. What's up? All right, uh, a couple of quick points. Last week with the Titans, you had Vrabel pull a Belichick on Belichick. Yeah. That clock management move. Yeah. Obviously, they're going to have to fix. But this week, he pulled another bag out of Belichick's tricks. I mean... He took away the Lamar Jackson's greatest weapon, his his legs. And once he did that, he he really looked you know, Lamar Jackson really looked like he melted down and it seemed like the rest of the team had a hard time keeping pace there. Um yeah. He, and just, he definitely did struggle from the pocket. There's no question about that. And you and if you're able to do that although I mean he did he, later in the game I feel like it's kind of one of those things where he he's kind of still kind of feeling it when it's a, a playoff game like that. Like he doesn't like he wants to be able to stand in the pocket and make plays from there. And while it does seem like you'd have to kind of go back and look at the coaches' film to see what exactly they were doing that limited him running, but I felt like there were opportunities for him to run and he didn't he didn't take them. Yeah, that that's that's very possible too. I it just seemed the. Uh... They, no, he, they really, he didn't seem, seem like, like the they same really guy. got in his head. Yep, absolutely. Um, I agree. And then, then one other point I wanted to make was, you know, when you referred to uh, the headline about O'Brien having, you know, because one mistake that he made or, you know, bad call at the end of the day, I agree with what you were saying. They, they didn't have the firepower to match <laughs> I mean, him once that machine right. got going. Right. Forget about it. But then last night, I, I could not believe I lost my marbles that Pete Carroll gives the ball back to the yeah. other one of the other greatest quarterbacks to say, well, hopefully they don't pull this off. I mean, at the end of the day, from the mid- midfield mark, you know, maybe, I guess a little shy of midfield, I don't know, take the chance with Russell Wilson. I- I'm betting defense uh, hasn't been that great. Absolutely. I'm betting more, much more on Russell Wilson in that spot than my defense coming up with enough. And look, the defense did get they, – they put themselves in position – to get a stop and get the ball back and with the timeouts. I get all of that. They had a third and eight, and Rodgers has the, the great pass to uh, Devontae Adams and then the the, the, the first down that uh, some people will say was not a first down. I don't know what the real mark was. It, it certainly seemed like some of the pictures I looked at that the yellow line, which is never official, was actually in the wrong spot. But either way, the defense did put themselves in position and was not in the, was not able to make a play down the stretch. But yeah, I would. I mean, to me, that's a much more questionable decision. There, give, deciding to punt the ball back, take the ball out of my guy's hands, and giving it back to Aaron Rodgers, where he just needs to make a couple of throws, and the game is over. And look at that—he made those throws, and the game is over. And oh, you know, the other point I didn't make—you know, people want to crush the officials for um, 
the first down that was that maybe shouldn't have been. That, to me, is not a clear or as clear. In the first half, I think it might have been Seattle's first drive. They had a fumble. I think it was Hollister fumbled, got like knocked up in the air. His feet got knocked out, and he kind of went over. Fumbled the ball. Packers recovered it. They originally did not rule it a fumble. Packers challenge. The video shows it's clearly a fumble. And the video shows that the Packers player hands the ball. Once the the pile is all, everybody's pulled off the pile. The Packer player hands the ball to the official. So they go and look at it. They say, well, yes, it was a fumble, but there was no clear evidence of a recovery. What the hell are you talking about? I just watched video of everybody getting pulled off the pile. I don't remember the Packers player's name. But the Packer, he's he's in green and gold. That's a that's a Green Bay Packer. He had the ball. What are you talking about? There's no clear evidence. You just showed me a, the official knows who handed him the ball. Obviously, there's clear evidence of the recovery. So that, to me, it's not going to get brought up because it's the first half. It's the first drive. But that's uh, if you want to complain about the officials blowing a call. That's a better indication. Now back to the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. Last couple of minutes before Golik and Wingo, so let's roll through some calls here. Just uh, hit it and quit it, people. Don't ask me how I'm doing. I'm doing fantastic. Here's Anthony and Freehold. Anthony, go, my man. All right, uh, Gordon, I have to tell you, I was laughing on my ride to work. When you brought up David Baker, <laughs> I actually looked him up last night because I said, who is this guy? He's six foot nine, over four hundred pounds. Yeah, and I'm looking at him next to all these NFL greats, and I'm like, this guy's bigger than all of them. Yeah, I, anyway. it was. You know, he was on uh, the CBS one when they did uh, Bill Cower, and it didn't seem that he didn't seem as big. Yes, yesterday on the Fox one, and maybe it's because he's standing next to all these giant guys. He just seemed like he was a giant, and yeah, six nine, four hundred pounds. So he is a big guy. Let's go to Eddie and Canarsie. Eddie, go, my man. Good morning, Gordon. Gordon, listen, man. Um, the Super Bowl is going to be Green Bay and um, Kansas City. It's going to be one of the highest scoring Super Bowl ever. And I don't know why it took the NFL so long to put Jimmy Johnson in the Hall of Fame. And the Cowboys, what's his name? Um, Jimmy Johnson never going to give that man no credit because you know he really messed up by finding that man. Yeah, Have look, day, I, man. I believe in karma in life. At least I like to believe in karma in life. And the fact that the Cowboys have not won since Jimmy Johnson has been there. I'm not giving Barry Switzer any credit for that Super Bowl. No, that's still uh, Jimmy Johnson's guys. So uh, I, I don't uh, – what goes around comes around. And for Jimmy Johnson, uh, he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. He deserves to be, obviously, in the Cowboys' ring of honor. What the hell are you doing? Let's go out to uh, Eli in Queens. Eli, go quickly. We're running out of time. Hey, yeah, I just want to talk about all those Giant fans that said this, the Tennessee Titans is a, a blueprint of how to make a team. Listen, one thing that you do need is an offensive line to run that type of offense and and, and the right type of running back. This guy, uh, the running back of the Tennessee Titans, bulldozes everybody. He took Earl Thomas and used him as a, as a plow. This guy's just a monster when it comes to being a running back. And whatever happened to the special playbook that the Baltimore Ravens were supposed to have at the playoffs? Yeah, no, look, they, they got off to a bad start. Uh, Lamar Jackson did not play well, obviously. They had the turnover early, gave the Titans some life, and uh, they took it from there. They took it from there. So, yeah, it's a, look, it's a tough, a tough way for the Ravens' season to end. But the takeaway that somehow that's an indictment that you can't win with Lamar Jackson, you know what? I'll take him. 
I'll take him on my team. He's 23 years old, and yes, he's 0-2 in the playoffs so far. I bet you there's plenty of Hall of Fame quarterbacks that started out 0-2, especially when they were 23 years old in the playoffs. All right, that's going to do it for us for today. We simply just ran out of time. Please vote on the poll question. We'll see you tomorrow at 5. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.